For me, preparing daily in the morning allows me to be prepared for when those other things happen. I mean, at the end of the day, that's yeah, that's, good. that's the, the easiest thing to, to, you know, athletes in the same way, do, I mean, you just mentioned athletes, you know, they prepare, they practice, they're, they're doing all these things. Um, you know, um, for example, golf, you know, these, those guys play around all the time. They put them, they intentionally put themselves in different scenarios that the whole idea is hit in the middle of the fairway then hit in the square, square of the face of your iron for your approach shot, right? Put it five foot within the pin for tapping birdie. Okay, that's that's their goal. But in the rounds, if you watch, you know, um, Tiger and you watch Rory and all these guys, in the practice, they'll play a couple practice rounds a day and they'll put themselves in all kinds of different scenarios. Yeah. For when stuff goes wrong, and they don't plan for it to go wrong, but they put themselves to it. So it's the same thing. You prep and you plan. I don't plan to go and scream with my wife. I don't plan to go and have an affair. I don't plan to go do these things, right? Mm. Those things can open themselves up. Those those opportunities, and I, didn't, I shouldn't even say opportunity, those things can open themselves up to you to act upon if you're not rooted in the work. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. Uh, I am stoked today. Uh, This is going to be the first of a few uh, you will probably hear in this context, but uh, recently uh, you have heard on previous episodes that I committed to joining a men's mastermind group, uh, faith-based, primarily Christian men that are gathering together and working to strive to be the best that we can professionally, personally, spiritually, relationally, uh, in just so many different ways. And I've been super excited, uh, very, very fortunate by uh, the contributions that have been made to me already as a result of that. Uh, And one of the additional perks is surrounding myself with great guys that I get to dialogue with. One of those guys is Chip Brown, who is on the other end of the camera. If you're watching, if not, you're going to hear him in just a minute. Uh, But uh, I quickly felt a connection to Chip just in his heart and his desire as a man, as a husband, as a father, he's leading a business, which we'll probably talk about a little bit. But for now, welcome Chip to the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. It's good to be a part of it. Uh, Excited to be here. So, <laughs> first, first All right, man. Ever done. so this is, this is going to be a learning experience. It is. Oh yeah. yeah oh, sure. good. We're going to, we're going to break that real quick. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, digging right in. I mean, we, we, we talked a tiny bit uh, just, uh, you know, over email about the context of this, but you know, for me, uh, the hope uh, in, uh, in this season of the podcast is just to help guys uh, hear ways that other guys are out there living the, their life the best way they can um, as leaders in their families and in their businesses and in their communities. So maybe first off and, and just see where it goes from here is, so when you think about what it means for you to be a man, uh, how do you typically categorize that or define that? Well, I mean, my definition of that has come from a lot of different things through the years. Um, how I, what I learned from my father, as some people are privileged to be able to do, have a, a father for a long period of time in the home. Um, that is, that's the first thing, um, of, of where I 
where I would learn to have, quote, be a man. Second thing is drawing from um, what the word has to say about um, us and our headship and what we're to be as men. And so um, those are the two areas where I've mainly have learned to be a man. Um, and so uh, from a father, uh, as far as a, a kind of a, a definition, you know, do what you say you're going to do, put your word where your mouth is, um, you know, and and finish whatever task is at hand from beginning to end. Um, as far as a work side of things goes, um, from the spiritual side, leading your family um, as Christ led the church. So um, those are two little quick answers that I guess I could give on on that and where I quote have kind of pulled those things from. So. And, and so you mentioned, you know, having a dad around um, your whole life. And so was that always a good, positive, healthy relationship for you? I mean, did you always see it as that's my dad, so I respect him and I'm just going to be like he is? Was that the dynamic or was there a challenge along the way for you kind of catching what he was trying to, to teach you as he brought you up? So, yeah, I mean, uh, there... I don't really recall there being a lot of um, issue with trying to learn what he was teaching. When I say that I'm hard headed in my way, I got to kind of figure it out myself. So there was a lot of him teaching saying, Hey, you need to do these things this way. And I, I felt as if that's not the way you need to do them. And I found out very quickly that no, you're right. I probably should have done them that way. So um, there was that, that was self-induced. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lack of communication or poor communication on, on, on his side to me. Um, so more self-induced, uh, on, on getting that, but, um, yeah, him being in the home was, was, um, you know, he, he's a worship pastor. So I grew up as a pastor's kid. Um, and then of course he had a farm, um, that, that was just kind of his outlet to get away from all the emotional and stress with everything that comes with me in the ministry. And so, um, I learned very quickly, you know, meaning of hard work and work ethic and just a lot of different things that he taught through the years, how to fix your own vehicles, change your own oil, just different things like that. Um, kind of a man's man, if you'd say. Um, and those were very valuable. And, you know, I, I look back and a lot of guys, you know, at least as in my age group and as, a, as we're talking about younger men, you know, with divorce rates and stuff going through the roof like they are and, and men not being in the home, a lot of younger guys in, in my age group aren't getting those same, and people older than me too, they're not getting those same life lessons, just the fact of men not wanting to be men and being in the home, so. So it's interesting. Uh, I think maybe you told me that your dad was a worship pastor. I don't, I don't recall specifically, but when you say that, you know, people typically go one of two ways. Uh, one is uh, the way that you have gone, which is continued on in your faith and, and leading your family in that way, which I'm sure we'll discuss. But um, uh, the other way is, and was my fear uh, when I served as a pastor and with my kids is you fear your kids going in the other direction because you see behind the curtain and you see the reality of, you know, the dad puts on the best um, uh, image that he can in front of the church, which we're called to do, but then maybe at home, some of that stuff breaks down. And so how, how did you guys navigate that? Uh, and how did that influence how you kind of grew to lead your family? 
especially as trying to raise your family in the church, even though uh, you're, you're not a pastor yourself? Yeah, so there was never a two, two-faced dad. I can say that, which is good. Not a lot of everybody can say that with their fathers having been in ministry. So dad was consistent from point A to point B in, in a church environment. And then, of course, at home, that really didn't change. The lines were never mixed. But my parents both had kind of grew up in a more legalistic home, and that didn't necessarily transition into us, but some of those patterns did. So, um, like in high school and college, for me personally, those were learning learning years. There's things where it's like, that's bad, blah, blah, blah. You don't do those things, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I thought, why not try them? You know, it's fun. <laughs> and, uh, and so then you kind of learn, I, you know, taking those, doing those things. Uh, like like one I mean they still to this day you know they don't drink alcohol and that's fine it's not a big deal but that's their stance they take on it they're, they don't feel like it values their life or adds you know to our life and Bible talks about the dangers of it and so they just exclude that and there's there's past you know uh, aunts uncles um, married in and outside married but that have alcoholic alcoholism that runs in that portion so they just we're gonna leave it out of the, you know those are one of the, that's one of the first things that um, was probably experienced me experimenting with, especially early in high school, was alcohol. And so um, that was bad. That was, you know, you didn't do those things. And of course, they're right. That, that was pre-age of 21. I shouldn't have been doing that. But there was a side of me. It was like, man, I really kind of want to, I mean, every, all my friends are doing it. Like, you know, I want to, I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm getting pre, not necessarily from, well, from my parents, some, because they wanted me to live by, you know, the word, but from friends, uh, that were even in church, you know, and even, you know, the youth pastor, like, hey, you know, we want we need to be a light to the world. We need to be in, you know, not of, of it, you know. And so, uh, um, and so that kind of was like, okay, well, if I'm going to reach lost people. I need to be around, you know, lost people. And that's what I need to be fun. <laughs> so, at, but at that age, you don't, I mean, you don't have a lot of maturity and uh, wherewithal awareness of self-control. And so, um Anyways, that's just an example, but yeah, that's there. There was never a, a difference between that at, at church and at home, but they did tote a little bit more strict line in, in raising us, and um, wasn't a whole lot of room for error. When we, you know, when, if there's an error, if there's a mistake that was made, you know, it was a mistake. It was addressed, but um, us being able to kind of make decisions and um, really figure out what that trust line was was something that kind of had to be learned through the years. It, it, you know, something that didn't happen. So, and so how how did that part of um, being a husband and being a father influence you? I mean, obviously, you know, your your kids are small. Right before we were recording, you were saying you know two and one, and uh, so very little just starting to explore uh, the sin that will <laughs> continue to unfortunately at times blossom in their hearts. Um, but how has that influenced how you're approaching being a parent and how you've approached being a husband to your wife? Yeah. So um, probably the best word is grace. Um, and so um, knowing, you know, for example, my two year old or two and a half year old Charlotte, um, you know, she, knows what she's doing but kind of doesn't really know and so there's a, a little bit of nurturing and teaching that's kind of go along the way and you know I, I I should say I shouldn't say I have to let her allow her to you know get frustrated and angry and stuff like that but I think there's a good portion of like being able to express your emotions and being able to 
be given a little bit of a rope to test and and just kind of see that there's consequences to your actions. Hey, you get too close to the edge of the chair, you fall off, hurt yourself, rather than kind of be this, you know, coddling parent where I'm like trying to, you know, keep them away. Um, I feel like at least growing up in my life, that's the way it was. And and I wanted to kind of know what that was out there. And I had to kind of experience the, you know, pain and stuff that ensued with making those decisions rather than listening. I feel like she's kind of got a little bit of that trait from me and her. And just, I want to figure some of this stuff out on my own. I don't need your help for that. And so just trying to, without being negligent, but allowing her to kind of learn those things. And so in, in the same, I mean, even with my wife, Grace, you know, we have bad days. Um, has she has bad day at work? I have a bad day at work. And, you know, not being short-tempered, thinking about what we're saying before we say it to each other. Um, yeah, I mean, I think grace is probably the big word there. And just, uh, it, it's cliche, be patient, slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen, but really kind of have to constantly tell yourself that um, because, it, you know, it, it can really kind of spiral out of control as far as conversation, communication, if you're not yeah. that in the forefront. Okay, so um, for, for this kind of arena, trying to break this down as practically as possible for people, because I think it's helpful for them to hear. So earlier uh, you spoke of, um, you know, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. And so for those that are in the church, um, you gain the concept of what that is for those that are listening that are not, it's really the idea that Jesus laid down his life sacrifice and died for the church. Uh, and therefore, uh, in, uh, in a way we are to do the side, the same, we are to, as husbands lay our lives aside and really, you know, uh, uh, serve our wives first. And that requires a lot of sacrifice. So you talked about that. Uh, you use the word grace a lot, which I think there's a big disconnect between uh, what the Bible teaches us about grace and, and even the way we kind of communicate grace out in the world. Um, and so how are you practically um, practicing these things uh, to, I don't know, if a lack of a better word, set yourself up and your family up for success um, to not back yourself into bad corners. Yeah. So, um, like with, um, as it applies to, I think I kind of alluded a little bit to like to the girls, um, again, uh, having, having grace in different scenarios. Um, so with them and they're, they're just such a young age now, I think as they get older, I'll really have to start thinking more about how we, um, <laughs> what, Just grace, wait. What, what, what grace actually looks like in different scenarios. They're such a young age now. It's, it's just, it's, I think it's just little things, obviously with them, um, with Lindsay, my wife, it's, it's a completely different, you know, um, and the fact that, um, she can think for herself and she knows what she's doing. She knows right from wrong. She knows how she should respond, how she shouldn't respond, just different things. And so, um, you know, uh, like a prime example was, um, like last, last night, uh, she had my vehicle at hers. She was working late. She works as a district attorney or not. She's not a district. She works in the district attorney's office in Nashville. And so I had to, I had to, uh, our, her car and had to get the girls and all stuff. Got the girls, got them unloaded, got to the house. Um, usually McKenna, she's starting to get, 
within an hour from getting home, I'm hungry. I need to eat. So she's going to tell you about it. Um, and so about 30 minutes in and she gives me a call. She says, Hey, uh, you're going to laugh. Like, Oh, I am. And she said, yeah. So the, the car got towed. I was like, Oh, ha, 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 ha. uh, she's like, um, can you come get me? So I can take me over there to get it. I was like, yeah, I, I can do that. So in that moment, instead of getting frustrated and, you know, showing that to her and like saying, what in the world are you thinking? Like, why didn't you pay the meter fee? You know, like going, I could have easily gone in the complete opposite direction and just popped off rather than, okay, not a big deal. She had towed, clearly decided not to pay the meter fee. Mm. So here we are, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, I get the girls loaded back up, been loaded back up five minutes down the road. She calls me, Hey, a coworker, one of the girls from the office is going to take me over there. Great. So I just got the girls loaded back up to come pick you up. So then, you know, of course at that time, you know, you have Charlotte who's like, I want to know watch, you know, blah, blah, black sheep or, you know, Mickey Mouse clubhouse or whatever. And she's, you know, didn't really want to leave the house because we already started, you know, that whole process. So get back to the house, get them unloaded. But then 10 minutes, you know, McKenna's crying and, you know, screaming head off. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And so I'm dealing with a bunch of all of that. And, and I could have easily stopped and popped off and said, Lindsay, you know, you know, and just let the frustration of everything else take over. And and that come out of my like out of my heart to her, essentially. Um, and so instead, I did it. And so I, I tried to make sure that. Um, in response to that, what I did was just love her. So when she got home, how was your day? Made sure dinner was ready. Um, I hope your day was great. Um, you know, talk a little bit more about that. You know, of course she acted like, so she didn't really even know that there was a little bit of frustration that was well up inside of me. And it was not something I plan on burying and talking to her about it, but it wasn't something that was, I feel like where I'm like, I'm sinning against her and like holding a grudge against her. I mean, it's just a culmination of a lot of different things. Instead so of she's going to hear it on the podcast. <laughs> instead of allowing, instead of allowing uh, myself to just explode um, out of frustration, anger with all these things happening, it it was more or less, you know what? These things happen. We're just going to extend grace. Not going to worry about that. Move on. So there's a practical uh, scenario of what I'm kind of talking about: extending grace and leading. You know, because in that situation, we as men can be very short tempered because you have, you know, I didn't even throw in, you know, what my day was like, if it was stressful, what, you know, what's involved there. And then you add that on top of all of it and it, it can become a real, a, a real storm. So. Yeah. I mean that it's so funny because I think that's such a relatable example, even if, you know, it's not those exact things in that order. I think that's just such an easy way for us to, to lose it and to act in a manner that we know we, we wouldn't typically desire to do. So I, I think it's fantastic. And so when you think about that, so when we're uh, an athlete, um, and we're, you know, we practice, 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 prepare for a game, um, in business, even, um, when we're going to go out and do a presentation or something, we practice, practice, practice before we're going to go out and present. So how do you practice or prepare, um, for something like that, really not knowing when the situation is going to present itself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the smart. How, how I practice for that, um, not knowing when the when the when when it's going to present itself is I have to be rooted in the word. 
I mean, at the end of the day, the word of God, I have to be rooted in that because that dictates my attitude and my outlook on life. Um, and then just really in general, how I treat others. And so, um, so being rooted in the word, making sure that I'm equipping myself with the fruits of the spirit, gentleness, patience, self-control, those things, um, those are really key in how, um, as long as I'm constantly, if I'm taking days off and not being a word, not spending time in prayer, um, my ability to go right to my sin, my nature, my, my flesh and anger response and, you know, bashing and, you know, whatever it is, slandering, whatever it is, um, it's so much quicker than if I'm spending my time in the morning, which is when I do with God, um, praying, God equip me for today. May I be patient. May my, may, may I be slow to speak, maybe quick to listen. I mean, I keep on referencing James, but there's so much that in taking just that, that portion of what he's talking about there and applying it to your life daily, just your relationships, communication, everything has everything to do with that. And so taking everything in, thinking about it, and then having a response to it rather than a reaction is key. And so I think if, so long as I'm in the, or I'm rooted in the word and I'm constantly praying, um, constantly starting my day with Jesus, asking him to give me what I need, what I have to constantly lay my cross down of selfishness and of pride and of, you know, everything else. Um, I think that's the key. I think for me, preparing daily in the morning allows me to be prepared for when those other things happen. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, yeah, that's, good. that's the, it's the easiest thing to, to, you know, athletes in the same way, do. I mean, you just mentioned athletes, you know, they prepare, they practice, they're, they're doing all these things. Um, you know, um, for example, golf, you know, these, those guys play rounds all the time. They put them, they intentionally put themselves in different scenarios that the whole idea is hit in the middle of the fairway then hit in the square, square of the face of your iron for your approach shot, right? Put it five foot within the pin for tapping birdie. Okay. That's, that's their goal. But in the rounds, if you watch, you know, um, Tiger and you watch Rory and all these guys in the practice, they'll play a couple of practice rounds a day and they'll put themselves in all kinds of different scenarios. Yeah. Or when stuff goes wrong and they don't plan it for it to go wrong, but they put themselves to it. So it's the same thing. You prep and you plan. I don't plan to go and scream at my wife. I don't plan to go and have an affair. I don't plan to go do these things. Right. Mm. But those things can open themselves up. Those, those opportunities. I, I shouldn't even say opportunity. Those things can open themselves up to you to act upon if you're not rooted in the work. So, yeah, it's good. I, I, I mean, you so well illustrated that point because and even to the analogy of golf, like I have been consistently back playing golf now for a year and change. And, you know, I find that more than anything, I fear putting a ball in the bunker because I am so bad about getting out of the bunker. And so you would think that, first of all, I would better be better mentally conditioning myself to not always be fixated on the bunker in front of me. Uh, but more than that, that I would spend time practicing getting out of the bunker. So I wouldn't really care whether I was in them or not. Um, right. and so then I get in them, I hit a shitty shot and, uh, and then I get pissed and it's so fascinating because after the fact, and my buddy says this to me all the time, what do you expect? 
You never practice getting out of there. You're only putting yourself in that situation at the worst time, which is unprepared and needing to get out. And so it's like, what would you expect? So I love that because then going back into marriage or parenting or business leadership, whatever it may be, you know, that's really the response that we should be giving to ourselves is when we don't handle the situation well, and we know the situations we don't is what else would you expect? So if you want to get better, you have to prepare for the inevitable, you know, in, in order to become better at it. So I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, for you, it is being in the word of God, knowing that that's what's steering your heart, your mind, and in the direction that God's going to call you to go. Um, you know, people, not everybody has that anchor. And even people that uh, are Christians or claim to be Christians or whatever, don't have that type of practice. And even the last part of you saying, you know, in the morning, I think what's so great about that is it does set you off on such a great trajectory for the day, um, because we just don't know what the day is going to throw at us, even if we have it all scheduled oh, yeah. so well. Yeah, we have no idea. I mean, life is is uncertainty at its best. We have you can try and plan all you want to. Like you even talked about, you had a plan schedule. You realized, oops, I had some things fall through. I mean, you just don't know, and that can cause that can be frustrating. Cause you know your anxiety or whatever, just your day to go into a rush, and then all of a sudden you have a conversation with somebody you're like, ah, I didn't mean to say what I said or said how I said it or whatever, and it's, it all kind of starts from the very beginning. So. Yeah, I mean, the cool in the morning, Jesus went to the in the garden to pray. And I think that our life should kind of mirror that. I mean, there's a reason he did. If we want to be like Christ, if we want to, uh, you know, um, reflect all of those good, positive things, you know, I, looking at the person who did it and how he did it and then trying to mirror that, it's going to be the best, I think, best recipe. So mm, that's good. That's good. Okay. So. One of the topics or, or, or the range of topics that I feel men are the worst uh, at talking about and addressing is emotion, uh, shame, fear, sadness, guilt. And so let's talk about it. <laughs> when, yeah, sure. when, when, when you get into that space, uh, first of all, kind of what is your posture when, when you um, when you start to feel the effects of those types of things coming into your life? Oh man. Um, I look like a beat up puppy dog, <laughs> um, <laughs> especially with shame and guilt. I think, um, it ties back into a word that I used before earlier and I hate to keep on wearing the thing out, but really kind of understanding what grace is. And, um, I know that, so like I grew up and, um, my parents grew up in a very legalistic home separate obviously home but same principles um i didn't grow up in as near as legalistic but there are lines that got that got you know so like for example i talked a little bit about you know some of the things i experienced or experimented with earlier on alcohol in high school when i had gone through that i knew what i did was wrong not because it was under age but because it was taught that that is wrong we don't drink alcohol it was associated with sin. And so um, I I knew what I did wrong or what I thought I did wrong at the time and felt ashamed, felt shame, felt guilt for that, like, you know, almost immediately. In the same manner with whatever it is, uh, an affair, um, looking at porn, whatever it is, um, men in general 
my my posture is because I have a relationship with Christ is immediate um, repentance. And so understanding that, um, you know what, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. Um, what tries to flood and what Satan tries to flood my life in with is shame and guilt when I make those mistakes rather than knowing, you know what, no, God died for my sins. Christ died for my sins. And in that I can live victorious and I can, you know, say, you know what, Christ, God, forgive me, forgive whoever I wronged um, and continue to move forward from there and not allow shame and guilt to dirty my spirit, I should say, I should say flood into my spirit and cause me to feel this weight and this burden rather than I can live free. You know what? Yeah, no, I'm not perfect, but Christ died for my sin. So, yeah, I mean, that's good because, you know, I think one of the dangers is, is when we start to be overwhelmed by those feelings, uh, we start to get really down on ourselves, which is unhealthy for so many different uh, reasons. But then beyond that, a lot of times that starts to perpetuate a cycle of more of the same types of behavior, whether it's in that it's like, I'm already at this place and I've already done it. So I'm just, you know, this just must be who I am. So I'm just going to keep kind of living this way. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, you know, just a brutal, brutal spot to be in. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't actually know how people do like go through the scenarios where they have shame and guilt and they aren't believers. And I, I don't mean that in a condescending way or like I'm better than or whatever, but um, their identity, they, you can easily wrap your identity being a bad person from the, sh- the guilt and the shame, not understanding that. No, you don't have to live in those chains. Um, you can be free. You can be, you are forgiven. And so I just, uh, to me, I'm so grateful um, that I have the outlook on life that I do and that I am a believer because I don't have to worry about living in that. So, yeah, that's so good, man. Okay. So then to the practical again. So, so explain to me, you, you find yourself in one of those situations uh, Mm -hmm. I get, and and the way you've explained it, I think most people, whether uh, closely being able to relate to the, the, to the Christian response to this, this idea of seeking forgiveness from God and understanding that you can find it there. So I can see that being the first step. Um, and for a Christian, it absolutely, absolutely should be. Um, so then what, like, is there, uh, a, a guy, a group of guys that you're surrounding yourselves with to walk through that with you, to hold you accountable or encourage you or support you, or do you go to your wife with those things? Like where, where does community come in to hold you accountable, to encourage you and support you? Yeah. I mean, so the plethora of different things. So you hit it right on the head. So the next step is post that we're not meant to live a Christian life alone, right? We're to live it locked arms. I mean, talks about um, iron sharpening iron. So there's one man, another. And so um, as you know, you're, you're in the iron sharpens iron mastermind with us and glad to have you part of that. And it's great, but that's kind of the whole idea is that we're able to lock arms together as brothers and kind of walk through some things, some, some things, so long as we're willing to be vulnerable with one another about where we're at. Um, so yeah, the next step is having an accountability group of some sort and or a mastermind and or, uh, whatever, a collective of coaching, whatever it may be, confidant 
people that you can, preferably same sex is the idea um, uh, behind it, um, but that you can say, hey, look, I'm having a crappy day. Um, I looked at this. I know I shouldn't have. I wasn't supposed to. I feel like crap. And having people around you say, hey, you know what? Guess what? It's okay because you're not that person. You know you're not that person. You're redeemed. Um, you know, being repentant. So what can we do to help you not make that same mistake again? What kind of guard rails and practices do we need to put in place to help keep you focused and not get derailed by something like this again? And so having that accountability around you is important. Um, where my wife comes with accountability is pretty much everything. Um, I mean, she can look at my phone whenever she wants to, mm-hmm. uh, computer, all that stuff. Now I've got locks and, and different things on my on my phone, my computer, because I know I'm not strong enough man at times to be able to make the the right decision. And so, and that and that's and that's okay. And we've had that conversation, and that's not a big deal. Um, but um, as far as it being a separate, like an opposite sex. Um, it, my wife's the only one that really um, will be that confidant and that accountability partner. But for the most part, I've got a group of guys that are in our church um, that we do life together with weekly. Um, some of my closest friends and their accountability. And then I've got this mastermind on top of that because mainly those guys, I mean, they, they're corporate America. They work eight to five. They don't really know what it's like to have payroll and employees and have to wake up and wear the leader hat and the sales hat and the project management hat and the <laughs> I keep on going down the road, but they don't know it. So having another group of guys or having a group of guys that understand that and that you know can walk through that's super imperative, I think. And so it's been really impactful for me and very important to me. But that's next step. That's step two. Yeah, get get yourself surrounded with community and a form some form of accountability because you're gonna make mistakes. Um, what you can't believe is that, okay, I've been saved, I'm redeemed, I made a mistake, and then beat yourself up for it because you're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. The goal is to live in the freedom and 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 to make steps away from the life that you were living. I mean, yeah. it, it's just not possible for someone who's been addicted to heroin and cocaine for 10 years to like cold turkey. I mean, there's got to be some struct, some some structure and some some steps that, that help them get further and further and further away from that. So, yeah, no, that's good. I mean, and I also think, you know, it's dangerous for people to believe that I can, I'm strong enough and I'm good enough to handle this, which is another, you know, a, a, another kind of posture that so many guys take. It's interesting uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, so I meet with a group of uh, men, young and uh, younger, quite a bit younger than me and quite a bit older than me uh, from my church and go through a different book. Um, and, um, so, uh, this morning we were talking about, um, uh, protecting ourselves from falling into the trap of turning away from God or, you know, uh, leaning into the sin that we know that we're privy to. And, um, one of these guys, he's a little bit younger than me. And he talked about the fact that he has surrounded himself with this small group of guys. And in order to, protect each other from going down the path of basically pornography, um, on their phones. Um, they have allowed somebody else in the group to create and hold the password to the app store on their phone. So Mm -hmm. if they want to download any app, they have to get 
not just permission from somebody else, but they have to drive across town or to wherever they are to get that mm-hmm. person. They won't give it to each other. They won't oh, yeah. share. It's literally, if you want to down and, and it's any app, not just, you know, the bad ones, but it's like, if you right. want something, you have to come to me and I'll put your pa- the password in and then you can download the app. And he was kind of laughing. He goes, it sounds so silly, you know, but it's just such an inconvenience. And I go, no, 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 no. I said, the reason that it's so not silly is because you recognize not that you yourself are personally tempted into this, but you realize that this is something that you could very easily fall into the trap for. And you Mm -hmm. have created a guardrail that will prevent you from in, in, you know, uh, as many ways as it can from stepping into that trap. And I think that you know, that's an extreme case, but I think that as it relates to, you know, our relationship with our spouse or in business, I was listening to Matt Chandler, pastor out in Texas, uh, preach from last Sunday. And he was saying, he's got a group of guys that he gives his tax returns to. And so transparency there, I just feel like we can do such a better job of putting these uh, protective mechanisms into place to stop us because none of us Christian or otherwise are good enough to, st- to, to say no every single time. And Absolutely. eventually we're going to find ourselves in a bad place if we have not prepared for battle. Sure. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And that's where, um, again, like I've got the locks and passwords and stuff on my phone, on my iPad, on my computer. And that's uh, honestly just having that there and knowing that, like, for example, like I go to type in like massage or something like that to, to look up to go get a massage or book a massage. I can't even look it up on my phone. Like it blocks it out. And so that's actually, for me, has been really helpful. It's just it, like it even triggers even mentally, like in my psyche, like I know I can't find anything and look anything. So why would I bother? Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's already kind of created like a not a. Um, not a, I can't be tempted or I can't look at something I shouldn't or whatever. It's more of a, um, well, I have to really search hard or try and go around this or go around that or do something that there's no way I can't not quote get caught, which is much every sphere is every sphere is I'm going to get caught by my wife. I'm going to get caught by my girlfriend or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that's everybody's first thing. And, and, and really is, especially as a believer, your first thing should be, I mean, God sees everything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if his spirit dwells in, with me, I, he's here while I'm trying to <laughs> looking, you know? And so um, I think one of the things that you have to, that we have to just continue to consider is that those guardrails aren't meant to hurt us or anything of that nature. They're meant to help us and steer us and keep us from going off of the path that we don't want to go on. So um, but we're, we're at the same time, we're challenged by our flesh day in and day out. And Paul talks about doing the things he doesn't want to do and not doing the things he wants to do. And so mm-hmm. kind of our journey, um, unfortunately. So, mm. yeah, that's good. Okay. A lot of different, um, things that we have talked about, but I think that, you know, one of the themes I've heard throughout is really this idea of preparing well and setting yourself up for, again, I'm just using the word success, but, you know, to, in order to live the best life possible in all the roles that you have been called into, we didn't even talk about the world of business, which we just don't have time for. Um, but I think it was such a fruitful, um, 
line of discussion for so many people as they think about what it means to live as a man and, you know, in, in these various roles. So landing the plane, I guess, kind of my final thought and question for you is, so as you think about how old are you again? I'm 31. 31. Okay. So lots of, lots of life to live Lord yeah. willing. Um, so as you think about going into the future and celebrating 25, 50 years or more with your wife uh, of marriage, as you think about uh, raising two uh, young daughters and, and, and the impact you're going to have on them and them getting married and have babies and uh, uh, fostering a successful business. What, what is the, God, I hate using this word. It's just so overused, but like, what is that Maybe more, more so, I'd say, what is the impact that you truly want to leave? Like, how do you want to be seen as it relates to you being the man that God has called you to be uh, in all of these different facets that he's called you into? Um, I mean, at the end of it, the legacy, you know, long-term left is, you know, I want, you know, the girls to turn around and be able to say, yeah, I mean, he um, lived a life that exalted and turned people to God. And so, um, and that's what he wanted people to know is, I mean, there's a lot at stake. I mean, eternity's on stake. And people play off, you know, believe this, believe that. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if if you're willing to take chance on uh, whether it's real or not real, I mean, that's at the end of the day up to you. Uh, living a life that's um, fulfilling, um, and freedom and not having to feel guilt, shame, bondage over sin, because people, whether they say it or not, do feel that way. And, um, you know, I, I choose to live that life. And so I think in, in landing the plane with, with everything, I think that um, my, my end goal legacy is that, yeah, he, he loved God. He loved Jesus. He wanted people to know about Jesus. And um, I think if I, if I miss that mark, um, I'll be rather disappointed. Um, but I think, I think that's, that's what we as men have to kind of wrap our minds around. Um, because yeah, we're first to steward our wife and then our kids. And that's the big thing. I think if we've done that and they say those things about us at the end of our life and that holds true, then those are the first two things that, that we, have been asked to steward and we've done well with, I think outside of that our peers and people around us, you know, the, the people we've influenced, um, the biggest thing is wanting them to know that, that that's our, that's our end goal and that's our MO. So. That's good, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, you said earlier, you know, it, it's, you know, eternity at stake. And I, I think that that should weigh heavy on everybody, every person um, listening to this, you know, in context, and we're talking to, you know, the guys specifically. And I think it's so important to consider that, right? It's not just this life, it's it's a life to come. And so that that's a huge part of it. And I don't want to understate that. But I also feel like, especially with what you've been saying, guys, as you're listening to Chip talk, it's, you know, if you want the most from every single day that you live on this earth, 
there needs to be something more than just mm-hmm. living for what you see in front of you on this earth. And, uh, you know, I, I don't press into this very hard that often, but, you know, Christianity is, is far more than, um, you know, yeah, I know who God is and it sounds like a really good idea, or it's just a whole bunch of rules to follow. Um, you know, you're out there striving for a successful career, uh, striving to be the best husband you can be, hopefully the best father you can be. If, if, you know, if that's in the cards for you, uh, uh, the best friend that you can be the best contributor to the community that you live in. I mean, that, that you, you will never get to the maximum capability that you've been created for apart from recognizing who created you and what he did as the result of that. And so I think it's just so important to consider those things because you've heard Chip talk about it over and over again. And I've definitely talked about it, you know, in, in the past, but it's just something that should be weighing on you is, you know, you're striving for so much in life and, and that's great. Do that but you are always going to come up short apart Mm -hmm. from faith in God first. And that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to have a seven figure business and your marriage is going to be without problems and family is going to be without problems. But it means that you're going to recognize every single little bit of everything that you've been called to do. And it's going to set you up best to avoid every single pitfall that you are experiencing right now and will continue to experience. So just great words, man. I mean, I, I think that, you know, without, forcing a specific narrative. I just think that just it's been illustrated in the way that you share how you're living your life, how you were brought up, how that's impacting your kids. And um, again, though, you know what, while we can't talk about it here, you know, from what I've heard and what I know, it's it's why your business has become successful in the ways that it has and will continue to grow is because it's part of how you're living your life. So I love it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, enjoyed every bit of it today and talking about it. But yeah, I mean, just that's, it, it, I'm not perfect in keeping that stuff in the front forefront of my mind and neither is anybody else, but I think mm-hmm. if you're doing that and you're doing it well, I mean, it, it tends to just bleed out into every aspect of your life, whether it's financial business, through your friends, whatever it is. Um, you know, there's, there's no wrong um, that can be had from trying to live the fullest life in Christ as possible. So, um, you know, it's good. You still get to go to concerts. You still get to do all the fun things, right? I mean, most of them. Because you're, yeah, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you, you, you know, you have to turn down, you know, your entire life and you're, you know, set to some prison cell and, you know, have to, like, I don't know. It, the whole argument, all that stuff doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but um, that's what it is. So, yeah, for sure. Well, guys, on that note, That wraps another episode of the podcast. As always, uh, if you have questions, comments, feedback, you know where to find me. We'll make sure to drop some contact information for Chip's preferred method into the show notes. As I always say, be you, be happy, be authentic. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.